With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. UFOs at the drive-in. Have you all heard about that? Now, when I first heard this, you know, some, so uh, Arla, who I had on not long ago, the last time I was on, if you remember Arla Colette, she was like, hey, Connie, there's somebody, you, you know, you got to make sure you have on. And she was talking about the Star Nation people and everything. So it, it's Preston Dennett, our, uh, who's coming up here right now. And uh, she was like, you got to talk about Star Nation people with him. So anyway, he and I started talking. I was like, you know, what are you thinking? And he, because uh, I'd seen the book that he recently wrote, UFOs at the drive-in. I'm like, huh, what? Okay, all right. And I'm thinking... You know, I was one of the kids that used to be like three years old and be at the drive-in sitting outside on the ground, <laughs> you know, or we'd sit up on the truck or we'd sit up on a car or somebody's windshield or something like that at the drive-in. Amazing what we could do back then that you would just never do now, you know, ever. <laughs> um, uh, but hey, we did that. We were running around three three years old, like no big deal, uh, just even by yourself. Hey, go get the popcorn. You know, you're you're the four-year-old or whatever, and, and you would. And you, you and you would get the right change back too, you know, and you bring it back to your to your older brothers or sisters or something like that. But uh, uh, so I'm thinking drive-in movie. I'm thinking, um, yeah, the the uh, different UFO and science fiction movies. But no, no, we're talking real encounters at the drive-in. So I went, oh man, that's what we're talking about. We got to do that. That's really cool. So Preston, who's been here, he's he's been here before on Coast to Coast several times along the way with Richard and I, maybe even everybody here. I know uh, back uh, a long time ago with Art Bell as well. But now tonight, ladies and gentlemen, he's here with me. Hey there, Preston. How are you? Welcome back. I'm doing well. Very good. How are you? I'm okay. I'm like, uh, all right. Okay. UFOs that thrive, and I can't wait. I that's your latest book. You have what uh, eight million two thousand and three books out there, correct? <laughs> Close. <laughs> I'm working towards it. <laughs> you are. It's amazing. How many books do you have? Have you, how many have you authored? Um, thirty, but I've got some more coming this year. So wow, <laughs> I keep busy. Now, did you always just want to be an author one day? And here's the the subject you picked, or uh, or did it pick you? Uh, the subject picked me, but I uh, kind of always knew that this was what I was going to be doing. Probably around age nine, I, I figured it out. And I'm like, I'm going to be a writer. <laughs> <laughs> I won a poetry contest, so that kind of ignited me. Oh, was it like a little short poem? Yeah, a little short poem in elementary school. It's Do you remember it? Honestly. <laughs> no. Do you remember it? Oh, come on, really? <laughs> No, I don't remember it. Honestly, I don't. It was a long poem, actually. <laughs> oh, okay. Okay. I got you. I got you. We, um, you know what? I'm just going to tell the story real quick because it's kind of, you know, it, it happened. But when I was younger, there was a time we would, we would, uh, in elementary school at the, on the chalkboard, when you first came in, 
at the very beginning of the first 15 minutes, there were like five things to do. And at one point there was uh, one of these things was write a, a short poem and uh, everybody, nobody really knew what one was and everybody just thought it was a story. So everybody wrote a story as much as they could within the time limit that we had. And, and I kind of thought I'd just seen something on TV or something, you know, it was like, like second grade or something like that. So and I remember thinking, Oh, Paul, you know, Paul, Paul, I know, I know what that is. And so the first thing that came to me, I wrote down, but then I looked at everybody else's paperwork and I went, Oh, it must be a story. So I did a long story. Now, long story short, it was really the short thing that I wrote and I remember it. Do you want to hear it? <laughs> sure. Let's see if I can do it here. Once I, let's see, once I saw a candlelight, it was very bright. It was such a good sight. I blew it out with all my might. (laughs) That's not bad for a second grader, right? Right, right. I only remember one line of mine. It was something like, I wish the world had fog and not so much smog. (laughs) Oh, yay. There you go. Well, see, you didn't, you you, you cared about the environment at the time. (laughs) I was worried about a a candlelight that was so bright I had to blow it out. So UFOs, UFOs at the drive-in, it's not what I thought, right? And I bet a lot of people do think that when they first see it, they're going, oh, yeah, sci-fi movies, UFO. at least I would. But it's not that at all. No, this is not about the day the Earth stood still or... Right, that's what I thought. Like that. That's exactly where I went, man. That's exactly where I went. <laughs> no, no, like I said, this is our actual encounters and... uh yeah, this slid under the radar, I think, from the whole UFO community for decades. Still, a I lot think of you're right. Yeah. yeah. So when this is your latest book, is that right? This is your la- most recent book? It, it's recent. One of them. Oh, <laughs> that's right. Exactly. It's number 7,264. Sorry, <laughs> I'm at 8,000. <laughs> so, so tell us about it, please. Yeah, well, it all kind of came about for me. When I was at my office one day where I worked as a bookkeeper, and in walks Claudia Blasios. She's a new employee. Found out I was a UFO researcher. (laughs) I said, boy, do I have a story for you? And she did. She told me about how she was at the Paramount Drive-In Theater. This is in Southern California. It was 1972 or thereabouts. She was with her family, four of them, her parents and her little sister. And she says, she wasn't really watching the movie. She's a little kid in the back seat. And she noticed people were starting to run around and screaming. And it really caught her attention because they were dropping their drinks and popcorn, heading into their cars and screeching out. <laughs> and she's like, what's going on? And her parents had this blank stare. And so she looked where they were looking. And right to the right of the screen is this huge craft. She described it as a typical flying saucer. It was kind of chrome, very shiny metal, was making a low whooshing noise. There was no real lights or portholes or anything on it. But this thing was as wide almost as the screen, so quite large, very, very low, right below the level of the screen, right above it and to the right. And it stayed there for quite some time. <laughs> it cleared out the theater, basically. Um, not her, her parents stayed in a few other cars. But most people left until at one point it just darts straight up. And that's basically it. Uh, Like a lot of UFO encounters, they didn't talk about it afterwards. In fact, it wasn't until years later they kind of forgot about it. Yeah. (laughs) Which happens in these 
weird. They're zapped, exactly. They're zapped with whatever happens, exactly, yes. Right? Well, that happened in this case, but it was years later. She's in the kitchen with her mom. They're listening to a radio show like this one. Someone calls in to report a sighting. And he's like, oh, I was at the, ter- or the Paramount Drive-In. It was 1971, and starts describing oh. the exact same scene. Wow. Yeah, Connie turns to her mom's like, we were there, weren't we? Her mom's like, yes, we were. Wow. Connie, or I mean, uh... <laughs> That's okay, uh, you can say my name. <laughs> Claudia, uh, <laughs> why didn't we talk about it? And her mom's like, I, I don't know. I really don't know. So that was the one that got me interested but I thought it was a one-off, and it wasn't until some years later when I was writing UFOs over Colorado <laughs> that I ran into three cases in a row. Uh, like one was at the Mile High Theater in uh, Denver. They were watching mm-hmm. Dr. Zivago. <laughs> I started looking, you know, maybe it's a movie that's brought, drawing them in. Right. <laughs> so they were watching Dr. Zivago when one came down and actually started flashing its lights at them. They flashed their lights at it. <laughs> It just went on for just a few minutes before it darted off. I found two other cases. I'm like, hmm, wow. is this a thing? I'm going to start digging deeper. And it's a thing. I can tell you absolutely it is. From 1950 onwards, pretty much exactly 1950, uh, there's a good case every year, sometimes two. Um, really doesn't skip a year, but goes all the way up to pretty much the present day. Over 100 cases I found. And I'm still finding new ones. Oh, wow. Even as the drive-ins are diminishing, you're finding ones. Or, you know, what I guess what some people can remember from a long time ago, too. But, man, see, now that's really cool. I know just as an author, too, of this type of content, it's always nice to find something brand new that no one else has done or found out about something different. So I know that's also a big plus. But why would they be over? I'm let me, if I can just try to guess, you know, just because I study this like crazy too, and and it's been in my life the whole time too. I didn't choose it; it chose me. And uh, so I'm thinking that maybe the reason it, it's because it's a, a nice large amount of people in one spot there. I mean, as maybe one idea or one thought. But do you have, you know, you got to interview people and you got to talk to them. What is your theory of why this would even be happening? Yeah, well. It- sort of became clear as I began documenting these cases and talking to people and looking at them, because I had the same question, of course. <laughs> I'm like, hmm, because I started looking at pictures of driving theaters from above, and they're very striking. You can see them quite high up. Yeah. Uh, these are very large screens, uh, so with beams of light, kind of like, hmm, well, maybe they're attracting, you know, by, by the beams of light, attracted to that. Uh, I had all kinds of theories. I did look into the movies, but no, there was every kind of movie you could imagine. Outlaw Josie Wales, Exorcist, Jurassic Park. I mean, all kinds of movies. Uh, the Simpsons movie. <laughs> so no, they weren't there, I don't think, for the movie. I thought, well, maybe they're... <laughs> no, they seem to be interested in that. But finally, I think I figured it out. There was a couple of cases that really kind of clinched it for me. I honestly think that they are there to show off <laughs> to oh. themselves, to put on a display, and announce their presence. 
huh, so don't look at the screen. Look at us. Ha ha. We're cooler than that. Wow. They put on a show. They honestly do. These are very low-level encounters. You know, the average encounter is quite high up. It's pretty brief, too. These are not. These come right down, right over the screen, usually, or to either side in some cases. Uh, and very, very low-level, long-lasting. You know, five minutes would be on the shorter end. There's a few brief ones, no doubt. And I threw out ones that seemed sort of coincidental, because you are outside at night, and you're much more likely to see stuff. But no, these are actually targeted. I, I think that's the best word to describe this, because they come right down from the horizon, from way up there, and target the theater. No doubt about that. So I think they are actually putting on displays, because they will. They will flash their lights. They'll move in darting movements for a while. They will actually, in some cases, release smaller craft. They, are on, they want to be seen. And I think I know why, too, honestly. Why? <laughs> this is pure speculation at this point. I think we can pretty much conclusively prove they want to be seen just by their behavior. Like, why would they do that? <laughs> uh, and I wrote a, another book, Schoolyard UFO Encounters, which is really similar. There's no other cases like these where yeah. these are being viewed by you know, 50, 100, 200, 500 people. I think, honestly, Connie, that this is preparation for open official contact. They're trying mm. to get us used to their presence. It's a real big hello in a way that's undeniable. And, yeah. And we've been talking about that for a long time, that, you know, movies and TV shows and everything is to get everybody prepped for that. So, you know, that would fit right in with it. I, you know, there's another thing too, right, where, and this is just something that I think, I think that um, when, when it's more people, they can do a mass abduction if they'd like, um, and they can do anything, they can do anything they like, right? If, if you get into this deep enough, you all know they can do anything, and but they can uh, also even as big as whatever they do, they can make everybody forget. So even if 2 billion people were right there and saw it and they put on a show, they can decide to go, okay, we played around, ha, 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 like the Bigfoot like to prank, right? We just did this little fun little thing and showing off. Now let's turn everybody's mind off to where they forgot it and zoom off. You know, what if it's just, uh, you know, this, hey, it's a little drive-in theater. Ha, 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 mom and dad, we took the we took the, the disc out tonight. Ha, ha, they don't even know. We're playing around and we're showing off off of the drive-in and then they take off and they just forgot to turn everybody's mind uh, you know memory uh, away from that i mean it could even be something you know i'm just throwing that out there because that's a possibility too i think that sometimes those that uh take you forget to um sometimes they just get lazy they hey they're little the little ubers of the universe right they're just doing their gig doing the abduction and then having to leave and sometimes they get a little lazy and don't totally remind make you forget you know but just throwing out another thought there well, i looked into it i know mean, i thought about that a few people told me like maybe they're teenage ets just kind of no good other people too okay <laughs> yeah and it, that's another thing that a couple of people told me like well it's easy pickings Everyone's parked. Right. <laughs> and it smells so good, too. That popcorn. Come on. Come on. <laughs> People are already looking up. They're relaxed. They're there to be entertained. 
<laughs> and and they really are. <laughs> See, I, that's what I like about you and your work is, you know, you know, too. It's like, I don't have the answers. Here's a good, here's a good, I, I have a good idea. I've, I've learned enough to think that I can speculate this or that or this, you know, as a theory. But we really, hey, they're not, they don't think like us. We don't think like them. So maybe there's something else even. Yeah, well, one thing I do know for sure is it is a thing, because driving theaters were huge in the U.S. Certainly, that's where most of the cases are. But I did find some, you know, a, a few in Canada, a couple outside of the U.S., but it's mostly a U.S. phenomena. I love it. It is a thing. UFOs at the drive-in. It is a thing. Let's bring back more and, uh, you know, go from there. Stay with us. Preston Dennett is here. And uh, we'll be taking your calls at one point too. learn more when we come back on Coast to Coast AM. You are tuned in to Coast to Coast AM. Connie Willis here with you. Find me at ConnieWillis.com. I think you'll enjoy the shows that I've got for you. The newsletter. Come on. Go along with me. Have a good time. Blue Rock Talk, Connie After Dark, and Connie Willis, the podcast. That's free. And I appreciate that uh, you do that. When you do that, you'll hear people like who I'm talking to right now tonight. He'll be on eventually here with my podcast and my Blue Rock Talk. So I'm looking forward to that too, Preston. And so are the people that, you know, my Blue Rockers. So thank you for looking forward to that in the future. You are all over the place. You've got a YouTube channel. You're also, you have a website, Preston Dennett yep, dot Weebly. Weebly.com. Excuse me. Yep, that's right. Get that Weebly in there. Don't forget the Weebly, you all. <laughs> Preston Dennett dot Weebly dot com. <laughs> oh, you're the Weebly guy. Yeah, you're the you're the Weebly Preston. Yeah, that's me. That's me. And Preston is uh, P-R-E-S-T-O-N. And the Dennett is with the two N's and the two T's and the two E's. D-E-N-N-E-T-T. <laughs> you could do a song. And the Weebly has two E's, too. Oh, my gosh. You know, it... it Today, you know, it's like you got to find like one word that everybody will remember, right, to get to your your stuff. It's really kind of difficult. <laughs> the memories are gone. Memories, they're just gone nowadays. But you're finding people that are pulling up some memories and remembering these encounters at the drive-in. And I just think that's awesome. Yeah, it's truly amazing. You know, it's... Nice new content. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, like I said, it, it really shocked me. I I thought I'd pretty much covered the field up, down, and sideways. Uh, and no, there's always something new to learn. I, I don't know why I keep thinking that, oh, I've heard it all. Because <laughs> no, you haven't. Something always comes along and turns everything on its head. And this absolutely did. Yeah, so, so what are some, so, okay, so, you know, there's just like... A handful, it seems like to me there's just a handful of drive-ins now that are still around or or are more starting to pop up again. I, I can't imagine that, but are they? I loved them. They were great, but it's a whole different world now. And But are there still some out there, and is this phenomenon still happening? Oh, yeah. Yeah, there used to be thousands. The real heyday was the 50s, yeah. 60s, and 70s, thousands yeah. upon thousands. This was the thing to do. People will go there. I mean, there were playgrounds, prize giveaways, yeah. fireworks shows, petting zoos, balloon rides. Mud wrestling. There was mud wrestling at these. 
<laughs> I kid you not. I'm not. Jo- I'm not joking. I we found this out last night. <laughs> yeah, there, it was the thing to do, but it did start to fade away in the '80s when we got you know VCRs and home entertainment. But there's still several hundred that have hung on, and I've got current cases all the way up. I think the most recent one that was real solid because I found some later, but 2015 uh, was the most recent really good case I found, which is still fairly recent. Oh, tell us. Oh, you know what I'd really like to do, Connie, is kind of take you on a journey through time. (laughs) Oh, thank you. Absolutely. (laughs) Because, I mean, it's like a movie how this rolls out. Yeah. It's a story within a story with with stories in, in there. So, no, go please. Thank you. Yeah. The, the, the stage is yours. Go ahead. <laughs> it's, it starts in the 1950s, right? And this is when it did really ramp up. The, as you know, the modern age of UFOs was 1947 and onwards with Roswell and a huge super wave. And this is when society really started to take notice. Of course, it does go back thousands of years, but... This is unprecedented, what's happening to humanity since the modern age of UFOs, 1947. And that's when this started to happen. And the earliest case I could find is significant, I think, because it has something really interesting to say about how we treat this subject. And that occurred at the Starlight Drive-In on July 22, 1950, Spartanburg, North Carolina. There was a colonel, or no, uh, gosh, let's see, I believe it was a a writer who was at the movie, uh, a military officer, though, and uh, he was there with his wife when this sort of dirigible-like object sort of just went by the theater. And he didn't think much of it until it returned. (laughs) And then it came back a third time, and by the fourth time, it's clear that it is doing something. And he described it as a dirigible object, the sort of rounded bottom silvery white, and that fourth pass, it came very, very low, and he wasn't the only one who saw it at this point. Uh, Several people in the theater saw it. So he sent a report to the Air Force, and I tracked this report because, you know, there's a lot of documents online. This was reported to the precursor of Project Blue Book, and it actually went to Colonel John Meads at the commanding general at Wright-Patterson Air Force Base. Now, if you know anything about UFOs, Wright-Patterson is UFO central. That's where we do the studying of foreign technology. So this is important because (laughs) this shows that our government is fully aware. I thought, well, maybe that's a coincidence. But I don't think so because it wasn't long after that, August 12th, 1952, this is one of my favorite cases, Terrace Drive-In in Bakersfield, California. It's a big theater, space for 650 cars. And again, there's a military officer in the audience. The early cases were mostly military officers. I think because the reporters didn't believe regular citizens and they wanted really good witnesses. Oh, right, right. Makes sense. Yep. Right. I agree so, with you. Yep. So, yeah, this is in Bakersfield, and there's about 600 cars there or so when this UFO drops down. This one was described as cigar-shaped. There's all different types, of course, saucers and egg-shaped and cigars and so forth. This one was cigar-shaped, and it comes 
zooms out, stops right above the screen, flashes its lights at the audience, and then darts off. So this was a real quick one, but a lot of people saw it and started calling the local sheriff's office. Deputy Sheriff Leroy Hatfield is taking the calls one after another, and after the fourth or fifth call, he's like, the phone was still ringing. He's like, hold on, I'm going to just go down there. And goes down there and still finds about 100 people just talking about it. And he takes the testimony of about 30 of them. They were lining up. He's like, that's it. My arm's tired. I've got what you, you know, the report. I think I know what you've seen, or I've got the descriptions. So he sends, he writes it up, right, and sends this report to the nearest Air Force base, which turns out to be Edwards. And Edwards, don't even get me started on Edwards, because they have had so many UFO sightings and landings and all kinds of stuff. It's a UFO magnet there, so they know what's going on. At any rate, it goes to a Blue Book officer there, and he writes up this report, marks it action, and sends it the next day to the Air Technical Intelligence Command, again at Wright-Patterson, and the copy goes to Enta Air Force Base in Colorado, which is where we track all the incoming and outgoing traffic, and get this, to the Director of Intelligence at Washington, D.C. Mm. <laughs> so they knew. They knew. Wow. Beginning, because back in the 50s, if you saw a UFO, you were hoaxing. You're hallucinating. You're misperceiving. Go away. There's no such thing. But they knew. <laughs> they knew the whole time. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I agree with that. Okay. I'm going to sit back. Hold on. Let me go get some popcorn. Hold on. Wait a minute. I need some more butter. Okay. Okay. Hold on. I'm, I'm ready. I'm ready. Go. All right. Here's another one. Because... <laughs> Things aren't even getting exciting yet. This is just the introduction. This is, you know, the little cartoon at the beginning of the movie. <laughs> Here's another case which really struck me profoundly. This was July 17, 1954, St. Louis, Missouri, at the Skyline Theater. All the people are at the theater when suddenly this red glow starts to sweep over the parking lot and off to the side this time, not next to the screen as usual. This one's unusual in that way. Is this UFO? It's really bright. It's casting this eerie light. It's oval-shaped. It's quite low, about 50, 100 feet off the ground, and just sitting there. So everyone, of course, in these cases, they stop watching the movie and look at this thing, which is much more interesting. And some people are getting scared and staying in their cars, and others are getting out and looking at this thing. It's an eerie silence kind of settling over the whole parking lot. And one of the witnesses was this young man who was very interested. He was just a kid, right, seven or eight years old. Gets out of his car with his family and looking at it. He doesn't realize it, but his father works at the local airport, not too far away. And is also watching it through binoculars from the control tower. He's got lots of pilots and stuff in his family, so he's very interested in all of this. And this, right when people start to run towards this thing... <laughs> and try to get closer, it takes off straight up. But this left this one young man, his name is Peter, with a lifelong interest in UFOs. And it was years later, as an adult, he was best friends with Robert Gribble, who had started the National UFO Reporting Center, mm -hmm. and was giving it up. And Peter, his last name is Davenport, <laughs> ah. I'll take it over. <laughs> this is Peter Davenport. Of right. 
the National UFO Reporting Center. And yeah. it's because of that sighting that gave him a lifelong interest that basically, he said it himself in his own words, um, inspired him to become the president of the National UFO Reporting Center. Makes me wonder if these UFO guys knew what they were doing when they sort of, like, this guy needs to know we're real. <laughs> He's going to be doing important work in the future. I don't know, I'm speculating there, but... Hmm. No, I can see that. Yeah, I totally, I totally get that. That makes sense. It's, you know, no coincidences, right? <laughs> and one more part of the pre-show, because this, this is when I started to really wonder what's going on here. There was a case at Charlottetown on Prince Edward Island in Canada. I don't have the exact date, and really I don't have much details at all. But from according to one witness... Uh, there were UFOs hovering over this theater so many times. It came repeatedly. Some of these theaters are visited repeatedly. It came over so many times that the owners actually put it in their marquee, started to advertise, want to see a UFO? Come to our theater. I'm like, huh. Wow. <laughs> okay, because, yeah, I did find a number of cases, like the Yuma drive-in in Arizona, where it was visited repeatedly. Normally they'll pick one theater, go off to another one, and then another one, kind of like a, I don't know, a concert tour or, a, you know, a book signing, just place to place to place, ad, like advertising, really. So I think that's what they're doing. I thought, hmm, okay, they are doing this intentionally because they know people are watching. And Is anybody fun. getting pictures of any of these, by the way? Yeah. Any pictures? Oh. Yeah, and a few of the later ones that didn't really come out. Uh, so, I mean, it's, I guess it's hard to take a picture at night of a glowing object, but back no, then, nothing, nothing great, unfortunately. Okay. Um, there were with the schoolyard encounters; they did get some great ones, but which is very similar to this. But no, it wasn't until the '60s that it really started to get exciting, and this is when I'm like, I know what's going on here, <laughs> because there was this one case. That really tipped it off for me. And that was in May of 1963 at the Wellington Circle Twin. And this was investigated by George Fawcett, who if you're a fan of the early UFO guys, he's a hero. He you know, investigated a lot of cases, a great pioneering researcher. And this is in Medford, Massachusetts. And these two disks dropped down and then Moments later, two more. So came down right on top of the first two. The first two were in a row. The second two came right on top. And then two more came. So there's sort of two columns now. And then two more. So we have two columns of a total of eight disks. And at this point, the people were all looking at them, not really watching the movie, and that's when these discs put on a 45-minute-long display, started playing like musical chairs, darting around, rotating, you know, darting back and forth. Dancing is how people described it. And after 45 minutes, these, they came back into their two columns and took off. Dung, 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 dung. Well, isn't that interesting? Because like old Spielberg did the... You know, put on this whole spectacle with close encounters, right? 
exactly. Remember that? That was like this whole thing. I mean, that's what that reminded me of, them doing that. I wonder if they picked that up from there. Could be. As an idea. Why not? That's a good one. Wow, 45 minutes. Can you imagine? No, that'd be great. Wow, I mean, that's when I started to realize, okay, I think I understand this. Because in that case, people weren't too freaked out. Sometimes they absolutely lose their minds and just screech out of the theater. Uh, But that's when I started to realize, okay, they are targeting the theaters specifically. Because there was a case not long after that, two years, June 29, 1964, Atlanta, Georgia. All the kids were into bleachers because they had bleachers back in those days for some of the people who wanted to watch the movie. Uh, not from their car. And That's right. This yeah. disc sort of showed up in the back, you know, over the trees, and one kid shouts out, hey, look, a UFO. And kind of the kids just look and like, eh, yeah, and it goes off. And then this kid, same kid jumps up. He's like, it's back. It's coming. And it comes right over the bleachers, 20, 50 feet high. And just the air, everyone in the bleachers scatters. These are mostly kids. <laughs> They're running for their cars. The main witness who reported this, I think it was to MUFON, ran with his uh, cousin or sibling to the snack stand <laughs> and hid it in there well, and is looking for his, his parents' cars because everyone's just losing their minds. And finally he's like, let's creep out and see if we can get there. <laughs> But this disc is right over, right exactly overhead. <laughs> and he finally sees his family, and they're waving at him. <laughs> and they rush into their car and take off. That one cleared the theater. <laughs> you know, it's interesting because, you know, with abductions, you don't hear people are running. They're stuck. They're usually stopped. It so sounds like there's no abductions here in these situations. So, you know, yeah. you're talking about the showing off. <laughs> it's yeah, they're totally acting differently uh, right now. I wonder, Preston, how many people even, I mean, did everybody know immediately, hey, this was a UFO, or did some people go, hey, they're just, this is just something they're doing. This is theater, you know, at the drive-in now, and they're, they've got props, and they have things happening. And, and, and what a good thing, to, you know, like you were talking before, to market everybody over to your drive-in. Yeah, there were some people who were like, huh, is this special effects? Is this part of the movie? What's going on here? People wake up pretty quick to realize, like, no, no, this is this is above and beyond. This is not part of the movie itself. But yeah, that does come up in a few cases. But usually people realize pretty quick that this is, I mean, these are so low level, Connie. There's no mistaking it. There's no chance of misperception. This is very much in your face. <laughs> yeah, when you know, and I think too, and I can't remember if I just thought this while you were talking or I said it now. That's <laughs> I guess it's getting late. Uh, but I think uh, you know, to me, they're here, they're here, they're here, they're here, and there's different things going on. I absolutely believe in the hybridization project that Jacobs and uh Hopkins uh, spoke about and wrote about and did all the research. And I do believe there's also other ones that are doing other things that they have nothing to do with that. So um, I guess that was one of my questions with you is, was there abductions happening or is it just showing off? But I'll let you continue your tour. <laughs> yeah, we're getting there. There's definitely some indication of that, I think, uh, because now we're getting to the real 
climax of the show. <laughs> um, it just gets so exciting from this point on. Certainly, I think so. Because <laughs> uh, now we're like in this, we're still in the 60s, right? It's mid-1960s, Mentor, Ohio is the next case that's like, wow. This was right next to another schoolyard encounter, again, which I mentioned earlier is very similar. There's nothing else out there in the literature like this. I looked at sporting events and concerts. There's a few, definitely, at places like that, outdoor events, but not a hundred. You know, I found over a hundred of drive-in theaters and schoolyards, which are both low-level, widely viewed, long-lasting displays. And that's just what you found. That's just what was reported. There's so many of these things that happen that are never reported. hundred percent. In fact, I just got a Facebook message from someone. It's like, oh, you're going to be on Coast to Coast. My family saw a UFO at the Snow King drive-in. This is oh. Carol. Maybe she'll, she's listening and I'll call in. I hope so, because I want to hear more. <laughs> <laughs> nope, that's going to be my book. That's my book. No, that's my book. I'm just kidding. <laughs> it's yours. It's yours. Yeah, because when I talk about this, people are like, oh, my gosh, I'm so glad you mentioned that. No one believes me. <laughs> yeah, she saw one at the Snow King in Seattle in 1957. So, yay, shout out to Carol. Thanks for letting Mm. me know that I'm not crazy here. This is a thing. (laughs) And like you said, Connie, most people don't report. So the 100 cases I found are the tip of the iceberg. I know it, know it, know it, because I still get new reports. And I want to talk about a couple that even aren't in the book. But let me tell you this one at Mentor, Ohio. Oh, my gosh. This is mid-1960s. This cigar-shaped object comes in hovers right next to the theater, right kind of over it this time, over the parking lot, for about a half an hour. At this point, the projectionist turned off the movie (laughs) because people in the audience were freaking out. They're like, it's going to see us. And as soon as they turn off this movie, this is when the real show begins. This cigar-shaped object, which is quite large, assumes a vertical position. It was horizontal. It goes vertical and one by one starts releasing discs, one, two, three, four, all the way up to ten. Oh, <laughs> wow. Come out of it and start darting around, <laughs> putting on a show. <laughs> telling you they're doing this on purpose. No one will ever be able to convince me otherwise. It's so obvious. So they dart around for like 15 minutes and then line up like little school children in a row, <laughs> in a column actually, and doink, 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 go right back in. This cigar-shaped object resumes a parallel or horizontal position and darts off. So, hmm. Now here's wow. one case, which I have... Wait a minute, wait a minute. Just to go back on that. Hold on, hold on. <laughs> that was That's amazing. I, man, I don't know. I, um... Wouldn't that be something? I don't know, man. Maybe everybody got abducted. It, you know, there's just a lot of missing time there. Well, wait till I tell you what happened. Oh, okay, okay. <laughs> a, a guy I actually t- uh, interviewed personally. But, uh, well, here's a, a guy I did interview personally. I'm not sure this was an abduction, but this is one of my favorite cases for sure. Pat Mitchell was at the South Hutch Drive-In with his friends. They're teenagers. It's 1966. This is in Kansas. This is a brand-new, really large theater. It's 120 feet high screen. 52 feet wide, and he, they got there early, got their snacks, they got a good spot right in the center, <laughs> and it's the movie's getting really good. It's a James Bond flick, right? 
and his friend turns to Pat and says, what's that? And off in the distance, right in eye line with the screen, is this bright object getting closer? And Pat's like, I don't know, but that's unusual. <laughs> and it takes about mm, three minutes or so before this object comes right up next to the screen, like they always do. It's to the right of the screen at this point. And it's almost as wide as the screen, so he can tell that this object is probably 40 feet wide. It's got beautiful colored lights on it. It's a silver saucer, and it's just hovering there. And they're staying in their car, Pat and his friend. Everyone else is getting out. People are standing on the roof. They're waving at this thing. Everyone's just awestruck. No one's really scared. They're all just like, oh, my gosh, it's a UFO. No doubt in anyone's mind. And then this thing goes behind the screen, disappears completely behind it, goes to the left, scoots up, 50 feet, stays there for about five minutes, and then as if to make sure everyone there sees it, it goes all the way around and does one full rotation around the theater very slowly and then starts to leave going down the main highway. So Pat and about 50 other cars follow this thing down the highway, and it's traveling right over the road, like, let's go, <laughs> and goes for about six miles at a very slow pace. So we're talking 20 miles an hour, 30 max, and leads 50 people on this convoy <laughs> down the road for six miles and then parks again right up there in the sky. The whole road is blocked at this point. Everyone's out of their cars. They're staring at it. And it stays there for another five or ten minutes before going straight up. It's a tiny little object in the sky, and it's gone. And so he's, he worked for the local newspaper as a photographer. He's like, damn, I didn't bring my camera. Who brings a camera to a drive-in movie, right? <laughs> that's true. So, so that's one of the problems here. No, that's so, the weirdos that do that because they're taking pictures of what's going on in the car next to them because that's a drive-in, right? <laughs> yeah, they were passion pits back in the day. <laughs> hire police officers to make sure you were being good. <laughs> they did <laughs> I was just a little kid. I was just always told, look forward, look forward. Why? What's going on over there? <laughs> I'm only three years old. What's happening? <laughs> yeah, there are shows going on all up in the sky and in other cars and on the screen. <laughs> <laughs> at any rate, Pat's like, well, you know, I'm, I'm going to report to the newspaper, but several other people he know, because they're all talking about it. So they're like, oh, I'm going to the newspaper tomorrow morning. And so he's like, eh. I won't. Uh, and he just wants to read the story that's going to come out because he's thinking they're going to write a story about this. But they don't. It doesn't come out. <laughs> so he finally goes to the newspaper office and is like, what's up? You know you, you know me. I've done some photography work for you. They're like, yeah. I said, what's up with the drive-in movie theater sighting? And they're like, what? What drive-in movie theater sighting? It's like, all, all these people came in and talked about it. I know they did. They told me. I'm like, no, no one told us. We started asking around, like, yeah, I did go in there. And that's when word started flying around, rumors that the government showed up and basically quashed the story. I can't prove it, but it's not the only case like that where there is some government involvement or jets show up and chase these objects away. There's a few like that. So 
Well, that's what was going on, kind of going on at that time. They were like, at least, you know, that was kind of some things that were happening. Now, if you say something, I, do they ever even come? Does anybody even come and look at it? I mean, back then, it seems like at least some cops would show up or somebody would call somebody and they'd show up, Project Blue Book or somebody. Yeah. But I I don't think they do nowadays, do they? Unless it's one of, you know, one of us. Right, right. No. But back then, didn't they kind of do that where the cops would show up and take a report and be like, oh, yeah, right. Ha, 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 ha. Yeah, exactly. Is that true? I mean, what do do you think? What are your thoughts on that? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Cops did show up. I mean, there was a case in... The terrorist drive-in, where Sheriff Leroy Hatfield showed up. Uh, they don't usually see it at that point, but there's, yeah, these accounts really didn't get national attention. They would appear, most of the cases I found, because I subscribed to UFO news clipping services, that's where I found them, in local oh. newspapers, not in books. These were not uh, in the books. There was sure. a couple that I found in various UFO books and magazines, but no, it's almost exclusively in newspapers, local newspapers, where I found these. Interesting. So. That makes sense. They did They did have those in the papers back then. They would put that up. Now, do they nowadays, I know there's very few papers, but do they now do that nowadays? Do they report locally or not? I just tend to think that they don't. The, the more you find out, when you find out about these things nowadays, not just the uh, drive-ins, but just anytime seems to always just be by us, people like us <laughs> out there in social media. Right. Uh, or am I wrong about that? Because I, I don't go look and I, I know they're there. I don't have to, I'm, you know, I'm not pulling together stories. I know they're there and I go look myself. So there's still a few local papers hanging on, but yeah, the world has changed a bit. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> But I, I don't want to run out of time before I get to the end of this. Do your thing. <laughs> Do your thing. Because <laughs> this is when some people started seeing humanoids. And there's not <sighs> a whole lot of cases, but there are a few. I mean, there was a case in Bogalusa, Louisiana, where the people at the theater didn't see it. It was someone who worked at the theater. She was behind the theater and saw this craft with humanoids in it watching the movie from behind the projection booth. <laughs> and she ha- she was out there hunting. You know, she's a hunter, and uh, her parents are the one who are running the movie. <laughs> so she turns on her hunting light and shines it at this thing, and it lit up bright red. The engines came on. She hears this loud whining noise, like an electrical generator, and all the people inside of it start running around. She thought they were military, honestly. I don't know. Not sure what our military would be doing in a saucer-shaped craft, watching a movie. You know, at that low level, they were 20 feet above the ground, watching a movie in secret. <laughs> uh, and it takes off, and she runs. She's a long-distance runner. Runs to the projection booth and shows her dad. And now this craft is moving off. And he's like, "Ah, eh, that's a plane." She's like, "No, dad, <laughs> that was no plane." She's- it's interesting that she heard noise, though. That's kind of rare. I mean, that's very rare. Um, yeah, it, she said it was a loud whining noise, so not like mm. an engine noise. You do hear whooshing, buzzing, whining, electrical noises. Mm. That fits in there. But to this day, she's not sure if that was government or not. I tend to think not, but I don't know. She would know better. And definitely we have some stuff at that point. So, And if they're, you know, I also think about if they are into it, watching it, 
and and learning from it. They can be there too, waiting for it to occur. If it keeps happening, might as well <laughs> get prepared, right? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah, could be. <laughs> hey, why not? Well, in a way, this is. These are all mostly simple sightings, close encounters of the first kind. Some do affect the theater in terms of the screen starts wavering or the movie shuts off in, in a few cases, electrical disturbances. That would be a close encounter of the second kind. But really, Connie, you could call every single one of these a close encounter of the fifth kind, human-initiated, because this is basically calling UFOs down with a drive-in. It's, it's a great place to do CE5 work. <laughs> If you've heard of CE5, um, where people oh, yeah. you know, use lights and stuff to call UFOs down. Well, that's what's yeah. happening here. Absolutely. But yeah, other humanoid cases. There was one in Florida, 1973, Fort Lauderdale. A UFO came down so low that people could see the portholes, and there were humanoid figures looking down. And everyone's freaking out. It's circling around the theater over and over and over. And this is when army trucks do show up and cleared out the theater. They're like, you're leaving now, and you are not talking about this. So, again, real good indications our government is aware of this. But here's the case that really thought, okay, these could be people being taken on board. This comes from Scott Santa, who I was able to get a first-hand interview from, August 1974, Ascot Drive-In, and this is a big movie theater, and this huge sort of V-shaped craft comes right over the screen, knocks out the power. This is The movie is pretty much just starting. This is when they'll show up, either when it's at the pre-show or at the climax. Uh, it's when they usually show up. And it knocks out the screen. It knocks out all the lights around the theater. knocks out the snack stand. He jumps out of the car with his friend. And, yeah, there were cars trying to get in. And they conked out. No cars could start because people wanted to get out. So nothing electrical was working at all. And he said people were just standing there. He says almost zombified. That's a few people have used that same term, zombified. He said it was hard to move even. There was an eerie silence. His ears popped. And this thing moved 50 feet overhead. Uh, so low enough to throw a rock at it. It was big enough that it covered the entire expanse of the parking lot and totally silent, just moved slow overhead at about three miles an hour, maybe a deep throbbing noise. He's not entirely sure about that. But it goes overhead, goes off, and it's kind of just fading off into the distance. And whoop, like a switch is flipped, the screen goes back on, the lights, people start driving in, the snack stands back. And everyone just gets back into the cars and keeps watching the movie like nothing happened, including him. And he forgot about it. He forgot the entire incident until two years later he's in a bookstore and sees the book by Edward Ruppelt, UFOs. And he's like, oh, my God, I thought that happened. UFOs at the drive-in. We're talking with Preston Dennett. You can find his work, his other books and of course this one too prestondennett.weebly.com is where you can go he's got a bunch of books but we're talking about ufos at the drive-in and yeah that sounded like abductions there to me they can turn you on and they can turn you off and then they just move on and and you forget where can we find your youtube channel there 
Preston. Well, well, I know we can find it on YouTube, but it's just a, <laughs> is it Preston Dennett on YouTube or? I mean, that works. You'll, you'll be able to find it if you punch my name in. It's uh, UFOs and the Paranormal with Preston Dennett. Okay, there you Not go. Terribly original, but. <laughs> <laughs> no, it works. It works. And he, he's got now, how, how many again? 30 books? Is that what you said? 30, yep. Working on wow. 400. <laughs> Dude, you just like to write. How's that been doing for you, though? Is that your only gig? Has it been successful for you to where that's it? You get to be an author? You get to be that guy that just gets to write? Um, well, yes and no. I actually had to work full-time for 35 years. Oh, I'm so sorry. Oh. <laughs> so this was something I did on you know weeknights and weekends, but until recently when the world changed and I got laid off, and I'm like, well, fine. So, uh, yeah, I'm doing it full-time now. I don't make a whole lot of money <laughs> with UFOs, honestly. Uh, but I don't know too many people that do that. What I what I've recognized, you tell me if you can back this up too. What I recognize is when people do very well, extremely well. This is me, this is my theory. Some people are gonna fight me on this and bite me on this, but I believe uh sincerely that those that really do make a really good living off of this is usually embellished work. Yeah, I don't know. I can tell you that uh I don't make enough to live off of uh, from the writing. Uh, you'd think so, cause people are like 30 bucks you must be rich like well i wish you know yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, i'm yeah. working Thank on you. it still right <laughs> so what did, what did what were you doing uh otherwise bookkeeping yeah i was a full charge bookkeeper excruciating and huh. i don't miss that job it was boring <laughs> yeah Pays yeah, bills, but. but it pays the bills. Exactly. Right. Well, I got new it, witnesses. There was a lot of people, a lot of turnover at that office. So people would march into my office like, here's Preston. If you've seen a UFO, he wants to know. <laughs> 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 it did bring me some new accounts for sure. Excellent. Oh, good. Oh, good. Well, I want you to wrap up your uh, tour before we take some phone calls because we do have people that want to talk to you. But uh, I want to make sure you're at that stopping point. I don't want to mess up the, the, the three-hour tour. <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, I could talk about this for hours. I will say that I'd love to mention a couple of other cases, because here's one which was actually in China, of all places. Hmm. It turned out to be super tragic. Like, people died. Oh, my God. Oh. Yes. July 7, 1977, Zhangpo County, Fujian, China. There was an outdoor showing of this movie 3,000 people were there and these two objects came swooping down and low enough where people could not only hear them but feel the heat coming off of them and if they were trying to put on a show these ufos they overdid it because people panicked they absolutely panicked and went running and 300 people were injured some severely and two children actually died from tra being trampled. Oh. Oh, yeah. That's tragic. And like, mm, that's taking it a little too far, but I think it fits right in here with what is going on. They are showing up over these outdoor theaters and putting on displays. And they totally overdid it on that one. <laughs> it's interesting because, you know, they're not. Um, 
Well, that one in particular, they're not abducting. They would have just shut everybody off. They just would have froze them out. You know, they just would have turned them off. But they're not doing that. No, usually and, it's just a simple display. I mean, there was one at the... And people are freaking out, though. They're already, you got so many cases of them all running. Yeah. Which is interesting. Well, it does cause panic. The Portland yeah. Twin in Scarborough, Maine, did cause a panic. In 1975, this object approached... This is a twin theater, right? It came right over the, the screen, cleared out one screen. Everyone panicked, drove off, even with their speakers. You know, they had those little... Oh, yeah, that happened anyway. (laughs) That happened all the time anyway. (laughs) That's right. But they cleared out one screen, moved over to the other screen, and cleared that one out, too. (laughs) I just just find that so interesting that they're all running because, I I mean, I guess I just know so many situations where, you know, everybody's just stuck and they're not doing, they're not concerned about that. So, you know, the show off theory may just win this out, you know? Yeah. Well, I love the cases where people are flicking their lights at them and honking their horns and the UFOs blinking back. Yeah. <laughs> wow. Well, that's very, yeah, close encounter ish. But here's one case that isn't in the book. I just found it and it speaks towards this weird, possibly, you know, people being taken on board. Cause this was in 1983 in, uh, Mississippi, and first-hand witnesses, multiple of them, 300 people at the theater. Sandra Paget was there with her boyfriend. She's 17 years old, and completely. Fr- this UFO shows up. People are panicking. They're screaming. They're starting up their cars. Her boyfriend's freaking out, and it left. And people started watching the movie again, and she completely forgot it. Her boyfriend never did remember. He she thinks. Or he thinks she's crazy. She's like, no, no, this happened. But there was other witnesses. Larry Casherman, an off-duty fireman, was there with his family, his wife and three children. And none of them remember a thing, just him. He says, it's like they were never there. Direct quote. He didn't remember it at first, but started having dreams about it and then realized it all came back to him. So, yeah, there is something weird going on here. Yeah. That sounds sounds pretty normal of, of that type of stuff happening and, and then trigger words along the way and just reminders of it. So, yeah, yeah. Goes all the way up to the present day, 2015, Tuscosa Drive-In in Texas. And this is Dee, is the main witness's name. She saw this red object, her old family. Everyone saw it. She tried to take pictures because she wasn't, no one was watching the movie. But she just, the pictures didn't come out. The most recent one I found was 2017 in Fish Creek, Wisconsin, where a UFO is coming along and it stops over the theater, does a dramatic right turn right over the theater, and moves off. A briefcase, but yeah, they're absolutely targeting theaters. I'm telling you, this is a thing. I know I'm going to hear other cases when I hang up the phone.
Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. DTW, avoid, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.